We'd like to thank our podcast sponsor, Wingredient. Wingredient is clucking good hot wing sauce. They've won the Reno's biggest little city wing fest for three years running, and they are made in Bozeman, Montana. The sauce can be found all over the state. You can find Wingredient Wing Mix at the following restaurants. Sometimes they're specials. Sometimes it's on the menu all the time. We've got Brusker's in Bozeman, Montana, the Cat's Paw in Bozeman, Montana, Stormcastle Cafe in Bozeman, Montana, Burger Bob's in Bozeman, Montana, Dry Fi Saloon in Bozeman, Montana, the Office Lounge and Liquor Store in Livingston, High Horse Saloon in Billings, Halftime Sports Bar in Great Falls, M&M in Butte, Montana, Champo's Pizza in Great Falls, Montana. You can buy the mix at Withy's Health Food in Kalispell. Eagles Club in Haver has it. Missoula's Montana Distillery has the wing sauce, and so does McGrath's in Butte. Got a lot of wing sauce out there for a lot of wing fans. We want to thank Wingredient for sponsoring us. You can check them out at wingredient.com to order the award-winning wing mix for yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Fight Force Unlocked. I am Brian Dietz, and I am here with our co-host, Zach Anderson. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. What you been up to? I've had a cold the last three or four days, and I've been been playing uh, – well, first of all, I spent – my holiday uploading the last few fights okay. to YouTube. So if you miss the uh, Kalispell card or the Bozeman fight card, those are all uploaded to YouTube now. Uh, it always takes me a little bit of time to get those up because I have to have some days where I just have nothing going on because it literally takes all day to convert those videos and upload them because it shuts my computer down for that time. And mm. got some great fights up on there. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, the Hamilton Ash Michael Caney fight. What okay. a war that was, man. Check that fight out. And um, yeah, that that was a great fight. And um, the Bozeman fight, it's uh, it's hard to say what the best one was. Um, the most important one, I think, was uh, Joe Borchek fought on that one as far as like hmm. everything that was going on for him. He had lost his uh, his boy um, under six months old, uh, had passed away just really? a couple. Yeah, passed away a couple weeks. Uh, sudden infant death syndromes, uh, just wow. a couple weeks before the fight. So that was a pretty emotional fight for him. Wasn't sure if he was going to fight and issues with opponents for a little while, you know, but, uh, you know, so, so that, I mean, as far as my uh, end, it was, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was a good one. Good one to watch. There's some other good fights on that card to okay. check out as well. So, um, speaking of things in the fight world, uh, want to remind everybody that Ariel Beck is fighting December 2nd on access TV and I believe we had her on as guest last week. She said uh, the Butte Depot and maybe a couple other places would be showing that. Is that correct? Yeah, Butte Depot. Um, I think some of the other bars in town. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember either. But anyway, uh, if you get a chance, you want to support uh, Montana MMA fighter Ariel Beck. She'll be fighting on Access TV next weekend. And next weekend as well, uh, not Friday night when she's fighting, but December 3rd at the Butte Civic Center, we have our first elite kickboxing event in Butte. It'll be a mix of kickboxing bouts and Muay Thai bouts. We're going to have prelim fights starting at 6.30 and then the main card starting at 7. We have 13 fights, so we just want to make sure we have time to get through everything without keeping everybody there too late. And we've got some sponsors we'd like to mention. Sponsors for that Butte fight December 3rd uh, are the Cartel Factory, Sammy's Smoke Shop, Bud Light, Goose Town Training Center, Uno's Casino, the Lion Pit Training Center, Universal Athletics, KMBR, KOPR, Magic, KBOW, Batori Collision, Hampton Inn, Grit Training Center, the Butte Depot, Wingredient, the Holiday Inn Express, M&M Cafe, Timidity, House Moving and Construction, Lester Snowplow Service, the Best Western Plus, 
And again, Wingredient, uh, one of our main sponsors for the fights in Butte. You can find the Wingredient hot sauce at a few different places. You can find it at the M&M Casino, and you can find it at McGrath's. And that's what we've got going on, ladies and gentlemen. We've got some interviews today. Uh, Zach Anderson had a chance to interview fighter Monte Klistoff. He's fighting coming up in the Butte Brawls. We've got Robert Lester who's fighting. Steve Chai joined us as well to talk about Muay Thai and the Muay Thai seminar we're trying to raise money for. If you are wanting to train with some of the best Muay Thai people in the world, please go to montanagrappling.com, register for the Muay Thai clinic so we can make that seminar happen. Yeah, very good. And also join with uh, Cal Clark as well, right? Yes, we're going to do our third man in the ring segment. We're going to get together with Cal Clark and talk about refing in Montana, his experiences as a referee, and his training with John McCarthy. He went and got certified under John McCarthy a few years ago and kind of talked to everybody about what that process was and actually how difficult it was. People think it's a really easy thing, but it's not. You know, the the test is pretty elaborate that you have to go through for that. And one thing we're going to start doing on every episode of the podcast is we're going to be doing a giveaway and we're not going to announce it. We just want to do this to make sure people are listening. We're not going to tell you what we're giving away each week. Um, but every time we have a podcast, we'll be giving something away. And, uh, last week we gave away a a 10 seat table to the Butte brawl fights and we're going to give away one more 10 seat table to the Butte brawl fights at the end of this podcast. So stay tuned for that. And if you're listening, you'll be able to message us at our Facebook page, Fight Force Unlocked, and you have a chance to win another 10-seat table to the fights. Again, if you're looking for just regular tickets to the fights and you haven't won a table, uh, you can go to the ButteCivicCenter.com or FightForce.com to order tickets or tables. And we'll be right back with our next guest, Monty Klistoff. What you been up to? Uh, not much. Just getting ready for this next fight, December 3rd. Okay, cool. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Who, uh, who are you fighting, man? Uh, his name's Danny Mecca. Okay. He's uh he's from Bozeman, I believe. Yeah. And he fights out of Montana MMA. It's one of the best premier gyms in Montana. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, definitely. You know, I, I really like what he represents, and you know, he's a big Christ follower, and you okay. know, always posting inspiring things, and you know, this is just a uh, competition, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to competing with him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say that he's just just watching him fight. He's a mature fighter. He's come a long ways, and um, I think it's going to end up being a pretty Pretty good fight between you guys. Uh, what weight are you fighting at? Uh, this one we're doing 185 just because it's not MMA and uh, okay. it's close to Thanksgiving and stuff. So everybody, you know, <laughs> sure. got a little bit of turkey <laughs> in their belly, So Did you eat some turkey? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Oh, that's good, man. So 185, um, is that much of a weight cut for you? or? Uh, n- no. And I, I've been keeping my weight down around 190 um, okay. around this time of the year and uh I normally bubble around 95, but I think I'm going to start keeping it down to 190. So it's about a 20-pound cut, the 170 for my MMA, hmm, my sure. MMA fights. So. Sure, yeah. And tell us a little bit about that, man. Your MMA career, um, how long ago did you start competing? Um, it, it's a little, it was about two and a half years ago. And uh, it was around this time, December, my first year brawls. And uh, I fought out of the Lions Pit for my very first MMA fight. And it just taken off since then. I, I had a lot of fights. I had about 10 amateur fights, and then I decided uh, I felt comfortable enough to, you know, turn over and go pro, and mm-hmm. just all that in-ring experience kind of, you know, I felt like I could do it and, you know, orchestrate elbows and knees to the head and all that kind of stuff, so. Sure, sure, and that's that's the one of the biggest differences, right, Be- yeah. between amateur and, and going pro is elbows are allowed and yeah. the knees to the face, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely works in my favor, I feel like, just because the grind game and, 
you know, sometimes someone holds your wrist and it's hard to punch them and you could just turn the elbow over and just drop it from any angle, you know. Definitely. Yeah, and so. I and uh we, we got the opportunity to commentate your fight last uh last December, right? Uh, it's or, April. It was right? April. It was yeah. April, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, April. That was my pro debut. That was the so. pro debut, that's right. Against uh um Joey, right? Yeah, Joey Murray. Yeah, and so that was that was definitely your game. You played it well and um it was a it was a pleasure to 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 commentate that. You did yeah. really well, yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. I definitely think you, the, the future's bright. And so, um, so yeah, you got this fight coming up uh, Saturday. Um, what, are you, what are you hoping will happen? What are you expecting? Just tell us about, about that a little um, bit. I, I just think it'll be, it'll be a good back-and-forth challenge for me. And uh, I think it will be pretty technical. Okay. I think we both got a lot of power, but I feel like we'll, we'll be pretty technical in it, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll let the power go. You know, when it's time to let it go, but <laughs> sure. I think it'll be a back and forth fight. Okay, is it around, so. sure? Is it is it stretching for you to be in a in a kickboxing fight, or uh, uh, would you prefer it be an MMA? Is, yeah, how do you feel about that? Prefer it be an MMA. And okay, I, I'd prefer boxing over kickboxing, but you know my kicks are coming along pretty good, and uh, you know I, I just really want to since I've only had two pro fights this year, I just want to learn a little bit more on my stand up, and mm. you know just get sure. farther than that yeah that and a, a kickboxing fight's a great way to great way to do that yeah. i always encourage guys um man just do a kickboxing fight you yeah. know it's and it's not just a kickboxing fight yeah. but it's a great way to kind of get no. some ring experience work yeah. on areas of your game that you might want to improve and yeah um, absolutely and like I, I i agree with you on that point like if you're looking to get in the mma i'd start with kickboxing first you know yeah. that type of contact and sure because boxing it, you know i mean it's great but it's just you know there's nothing else to it really other than you know, above the body strikes sure. and stuff, and yeah, know, it gets it gets a little one sided. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So. What's well, good, man? Definitely looking forward to you uh, competing. Uh, let's kind of take a, a step out of it and and kind of your your weight class one seventy. Um, normally in in, yeah. in MMA, um, what separates you from say everybody else in, in your division? I feel like I just what I bring to the table is uh, you know my grind game is just so mm. strong and. You know, I, I could just grind someone out and, you know, they squash them like a bug, like they won't move, you know. And, like a buffalo. You know, just smother them. Yeah, like a buffalo. <laughs> you know, you just smother them and yes. there's nowhere for them to go. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they seem, because I'm a pretty big guy, you know, I'm pretty mm -hmm. strong, kind of like Tyron Woodley. I'm pretty big for my weight class, but I think people see me and they think that I'm going to gas out or something, but I just go along with you all night, you know, just yeah. keep grinding you out and, you know, I keep a steady pace. You know, I, I think you saw in the Joey fight mm -hmm. for three rounds, five-minute rounds was my first time, and I kept a steady pace throughout the whole night, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, consistently consistently pushing forward, man. It was good. It was good. Well, how about now that you've been in the, the, the fight world for a while, um, what what might be a funny story, something just like out of the blue, any, any, any good stories that you like have pulled over the last couple of years? Um, actually, my last fight, it was, uh, it was my second pro fight in Canada. It, it kind of didn't go my way, and uh, I kind of took the fight on short notice. I originally was going to fight someone who was on the same level of experience, and then uh, I was two weeks in the training camp, and my guy, he got injured. So then they called me, and they said they only got another guy, and he was a weight class above me at 185, and he was a black belt under Gracie Jiu-Jitsu mm -hmm. in uh, Canada. Um, it was on... I think it's British Columbia, Canada, and so he was a lot more experienced than me. But then I just thought about it, and I was just like, you know, I just have that never say never attitude. So I just went in there and did it. And uh, on my way to Canada, we went with my my buddy, and uh, 
we got to the Canadian border and uh, I didn't realize how strict they were and it was our first time passing through. So like they had to give us the, the run around and all that mm -hmm. stuff and they brought us in and uh, he had a reckless driving ticket like years ago, like in 2008. Okay. So like if you have like certain tickets, like for 10 years, they won't let you cross the border. No way. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you know, I'm like freaking out because I'm like, and we're using his car. So I'm like, how are we, you know, how are we going to figure this out? And so what happened is uh, the Canadian border was next to Shelby, Montana. Okay. So we drove over to Shelby, Montana and uh, we put him up in a hotel for a couple of days and then, <laughs> you know, so then I went to Canada and uh, the problem with Canada is uh, I didn't have no phone reception. Okay. So I, I had no phone reception. So I kind of had to find up my way and I'd pull into these hotels that had free Wi-Fi <laughs> to find my way around and stuff. And then uh, the, the scary thing was the night of the fight, um, I got put into a full mount and he dropped some elbows that really busted my head open and uh, mm. gave me a big inch gash above my head and uh, they couldn't treat me there because, you know, I, I don't oh. know, like, like I was American or whatever. So I'm rushing to go back to, you know, the American <laughs> border and, uh, you know, I, I didn't have that much gas so I figured I'd stop at a little gas station along the way. Oh. But all those gas stations were like small towns so they were closed that night. Oh, no. So I'm just hoping and praying. I'm like, you know, hopefully I can make it and then I, I finally make it to the American border and I'm just thinking the whole time, I'm like, I have no phone service, so my, my car, you know, if I lose lose gas, you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to get a hold of anyone, so. Yeah, yeah. so I, I make it to the the American border and then uh, the guy the guy at the booth, he tells me that there's a little polling stop, but you have to have a credit card, otherwise you have to wait until 8 a.m. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, I'm screwed, I have to oh. go to the doctors, the hospital, and you know, get this thing fixed. Yeah. And so uh, right next to, I don't, have a, I don't have a credit card to do it, so right next to, uh, Right next to that little gas station, there was a bar, uh -huh. and I'm just like, you know, maybe someone will be friendly. You yeah. know, I'm like, you know, God hoping like yeah. someone in there's friendly enough to let me use the credit card and just pay him cash. And you know, I mean, it's a bar. You don't know what to expect. You know, somebody sure. might be rowdy or ask what's going on with your head. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, so so I walk in there and I I just talk to a few people and then I offer this guy. I was like, I'll buy you a drink if you can. Uh, you know, you let me use your credit card to fill up my gas tank. And then he did. And then. Oh wow. So eventually, you know, I filled up my gas and then went back to Shelby, Montana and wow, got stitched man. up. And Holy yeah, cow. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty crazy trip <laughs> all around from, from the beginning to the end. Dude, so. yeah. And, like, and last yeah. week, Brian shared a story about having trouble crossing the Canadian border. So yeah, yeah. so some advice out there. Everybody, yeah. make sure you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I always find it funny because with the whole election thing, everybody, you know, they're saying they're going to move to Canada and stuff. Uh -huh. and I'm like, that's just crossing the border as a as a visitor you know i couldn't imagine if you wanted to move in the country oh, man, how hard yeah. it would be you know get a resident visa and all that and, yeah oh man that's crazy yeah. that's crazy and so that that's kind of that scar you have on your forehead yeah. there okay yeah, yeah. okay so, yeah uh I, I i took him down twice and then uh he got me in a standing kimura just really smooth on the ground and then he, he tra like, the thing about black belts is they're so smooth. Like, sure. they just transitions the, the different things, you know. As soon oh, as you're yeah. out of one thing, you're in another. And, <laughs> yep. you know, he put me in the arm bar. And then as I was getting out of the arm bar, he swept his leg over. And he's a really tall guy, about 6'3", mm -hmm. somewhere around that range. So he swept his arm around and then got me in the full mount and started dropping those elbows. And then sure. I rolled over and, you know, he got me in the rear naked. So, mm, yeah, man. you know, it was, it was a good learning experience. And I think, you know... At first, I, I wanted to be undefeated for a while in my pro career and, you know, have a 4-0 record mm -hmm. or something. But mm -hmm. I think I'm glad that I lost early on in my career because, you know, mm -hmm. then it, it just pushes you that much harder. And, sure. you know, I'm back at jiu-jitsu class and I don't think I want to fight until around April, okay. you know, April next year and just keep focused on jiu-jitsu and my stand-up game. And, 
That's good, Just man. become that much stronger, you know. Absolutely, man. Yeah, so. and I just, you know, we've had the privilege of training the last couple of weeks together yeah. with, your, with your jits. And, yeah, man, it's getting good. You're yeah. training yeah, hard. Yeah. you got a good, humble perspective on it. And, yeah, man, you're yeah. doing well. Doing yeah, well. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. So, like, kind of, just one more question for you. So, say, let's kind of say you're at the end of your career. You you've, you've you got it all done. You rock. You rocked and rolled. Um, what do you want to be? What do you want to be remembered for? Um, just kind of my humble nature in yeah. the ring and outside the ring, and you know, like, you know, I'm a Christian man, and I always, I always uh, bow down and pray, you know. Mm-hmm before every fight and sometimes I'll even pray a little bit longer and just soak it all in and I just I think I have a connection to a lot of people and you know I've, I even have a lot of kids fans a lot of kids that look up to me and I have my 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 lion image you know mm-hmm. everybody know, knows me as a lion you know so the kids they really like that and stuff and it's just it's a special you know special experience to have and you know I just like to have an impact with all of them and yeah. you know just inspire everybody to be more be something you know it's good man so that's really good. How about any any uh, any sponsors that you want to thank? Um, I I got a few, but I'd probably just you know take the time just to thank my main one, uh, Sammy Smoke Shop. Okay. They they uh they sponsor me all over the place, and you know it's pretty awesome. They sponsor me for my Canada fight, and it don't matter where I go, they're willing to sponsor me. So, you know, as fighters, we really appreciate that. You know, definitely. Sometimes it's hard to find sponsors, and most sponsors they want to stick to locally. You know, mm-hmm. which is you know it's understandable, but. You know, they're willing to sponsor me all over the world, and yeah. you know, I really appreciate it. So Awesome, brother. Well, good. Well, yeah. thank you for joining us today, man, and uh, hope the, the best for you on the weekend. Thank you, my friend. Look forward to it. We'd like to thank our podcast sponsor, Wingredient. Wingredient is clucking good hot wing sauce. They've won the Reno's Biggest Little City Wing Fest for three years running, and they are made in Bozeman, Montana. The sauce can be found all over the state. You can find Wingredient Wing Mix at the following restaurants. Sometimes they're specials. Sometimes it's on the menu all the time. We've got Brusker's in Bozeman, Montana. The Cat's Paw in Bozeman, Montana. Storm Castle Cafe in Bozeman, Montana. Burger Bob's in Bozeman, Montana. Dry Fi Saloon in Bozeman, Montana. The Office Lounge and Liquor Store in Livingston. High Horse Saloon in Billings. Halftime Sports Bar in Great Falls. M&M in Butte, Montana. Champo's Pizza in Great Falls, Montana. You can buy the mix at Withy's Health Food in Kalispell. Eagles Club in Haver has it. Missoula's Montana Distillery has the wing sauce, and so does McGrath's in Butte. Got a lot of wing sauce out there for a lot of wing fans. We want to thank Wingredient for sponsoring us. You can check them out at winggredient.com to order the award-winning wing mix for yourself. All right. Thank you, Monty, and thank you, Wingredient. Um, everybody be sure to get your tickets, uh, to Butte Elite Kickboxing, uh, December 3rd, um, either at ButteCivicCenter.com or FightForce.com or at the Civic Center, um, itself or from other fighters that are competing. Um, and our next guest, uh, coming up here is going to be Steve Chai. He is, um, a Muay Thai instructor in Montana, um, and he's trying to get a, uh, seminar together here, um, after the new year. And so I'm um, looking forward to talking to him. And remember, stay tuned uh, for your chance to win uh, a 10-seat table to the Butte Fights. All right, everyone. I'm here with Steve Chai. Steve is working on bringing a, a super Muay Thai seminar to Montana with some 
great coaches and instructors. And uh, Steve, do you just want to give us a rundown about the seminar we're trying to bring to Montana, what we're trying to do for pre-registration, and, and we're trying to get enough people together to make this happen. Yeah, hi, everybody. How you doing? Sweaty cop. Well, we have an opportunity to bring some of the best Thai fighters in Thailand over to the state of Montana. Uh, Yakao Boxing is one of the premier suppliers of martial arts supplies in Thailand. They're also one of the biggest Muay Thai promoters around the world. And they're also opening up training centers all around the world as well. These guys are putting on a seminar with some of the top-notch fighters. Um, we're talking about the number one pound-for-pound pound Muay Thai fighter in the world, Sanchai. Um, this guy is top of the food chain. He has a professional record of 302 wins, 52 losses, and three draws. This guy is one more awards than I can count. I have a list ahead of me, and this guy's just one of the best fighters in the world as far as Muay Thai and stand-ups concerned. We have the opportunity to bring him over with this seminar, um, as well as two other fighters that are going to be joining him. Um, another guy named Singdam Kit Munain, who's actually known as the Black Lion. He's the current Lumpini Stadium champion um, in Thailand, fighting at 130, 135 pounds. Guy's very technical. Also another guy with 335 fights. I mean, this guy's just another unbelievable fighter. And then his nephew is going to be joining, which this guy's again, he's the young superstar. His name is Manichai. He's also known as a guy named Superlek. Superlek's a big name in Thailand. Um, also ranked number one super featherweight, uh, current Lumpini cha Stadium champion over there. Um, another 106 total fights. Um, these guys are the best of the best, and we have this opportunity to bring them over. We're looking at a date of February the 7th um, for them to come over from Seattle, Washington, down to Montana, over here in Bozeman. And they'll be doing a two-and-a-half-hour seminar, about two hours of work in technique and some pad work, and then they're going to do 30 minutes of clinching, um, just really going over a lot of the stuff that you would be doing in Thailand. And, I mean, we're talking about techniques that you only see overseas in Thailand. These guys are just unbelievable. I've had the opportunity to do some training with Sanchai, and, and this guy is just phenomenal. He is the exception, one of those guys that are a really good fighter and also a very good coach. Um, and they're also bringing over their coach, Krumanop. Um, Manop, 30 years of experience. He's got over 40 champions under his belt, um, as well as the trainer of Sanchai. So this guy has produced numerous Muay Thai champions over the years, and he's also going to be a part of this seminar. So this is definitely a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for all of us here in Montana to experience the best Muay Thai has to offer here in Montana. And we need to let everybody know out there that we do have to get people pre-registered for this seminar to make it happen. Um, you can go to montanagrappling.com under the registration page and and sign up and prepay. Uh, there's some information there on how many people we need to get to make this clinic happen. And if for whatever reason we don't get enough people, um, everybody can be refunded. But we're really pushing to, to make this happen. Uh, Muay Thai is a very important part of MMA. And we do have a lot of freestyle fighters out there that are from smaller towns that aren't necessarily from gyms. And this is an opportunity you guys can't miss. Anytime anybody in Montana brings in a world-class jiu-jitsu coach, wrestling coach, Muay Thai crew, like you have to 
show up for these uh, to get yourself to become a better fighter. And it will make the fights better in Montana. Less likely you'll be injured. And it just makes the whole state stronger as a whole. Uh, Steve, you've done a lot of training and coaching throughout Montana, uh, other places in the U.S. And for the people out there that are listening that don't understand what Muay Thai is or how it adapts to MMA, um, can you give them a little bit of information? Uh, Let's say a brand new person's never heard of it. Can you let them know what it is, how it adapts to MMA, and why it's so important for, for a mixed martial artist? Sure, yeah. Muay Thai is the art of eight limbs. It's punching, elbow strikes, knee strikes, and kicks. Our kicks are a little bit different than kickboxing, which you can incorporate your kickboxing with Muay Thai. The stance is a little bit different, and in the sense that we don't lean when we throw kicks. If you need, you you lean a little bit back so that you don't get punched. And it incorporates into MMA perfectly because you learn how to throw kicks without having to be afraid of getting caught and taken down off of a kick. You learn how to defend against it. So Muay Thai is a very strong part of MMA. And so what you're seeing now is a lot of these guys in Thailand are starting to learn MMA. And they've been doing this now for the last few years in Thailand and taking it over to Singapore. And a lot of these Thai fighters are going to transition now into MMA. And we're seeing it especially in Singapore, in some of the big MMA leagues over there. And the Muay Thai fighters are dominating because they have such a great stand-up with good balance. And then, of course, you know, if they take it to the ground, they know how to handle themselves. So if you can learn that balance part of Muay Thai and transition that into MMA, it works perfectly. As an amateur fighter, just learning how to throw really good knees, having good balance, good kicks, learning how to take apart your opponent. Um, We do a lot of pressure point kicks so we're, we're aiming at thighs femoral artery if your hands aren't up carotid artery kicking you right in the neck we're looking to kind of break down a fighter and if you're not used to it you're going to end up losing the fight because you can't take these style of kicks that we're using um, as a professional mma fighter that's when you learn to use your clinch and your elbow techniques and i think it's crucial to being a very good stand-up fighter had to take a quick break there, everybody. Um, we're back with Steve Chai. He was talking with us about Muay Thai and its effectiveness for MMA, and we were just getting on the topic of uh, clinch and knees and elbows. For the amateur fights in Montana, uh, knees and elbows to the head are not legal, trying to keep those fighters safe and not get cut while they're still learning the sport. But once knees and elbows are legal, that's a whole other important aspect of Muay Thai that adds to pro-MMA fighters and another reason why pro-MMA guys need to learn the sport of Muay Thai. Uh, Steve, would you like to elaborate more on the knees and elbows for Muay Thai? Yeah, I mean, we learned from the clinch, and and our clinch is a little bit different, especially for MMA. It works perfectly. Like I was talking about balance, you know, our stance. We're not in a fighting stance. We're in the clinch. We're actually – feet are shoulder width apart and you're up on the balls of your feet so if you do get pushed or try to get taken down you just basically are sprawling to avoid that takedown so once you learn to to kind of master that it's really very hard for even a top-notch wrestler to take you down off of that it's really a, a whole balance thing and once you learn that basic technique and learn how to use that and then of course where your hand placement is on the clinch 
you know, you're using your elbow up on the pectoral muscle on your lead hand on your fighter and using that to kind of push them away if they're trying to sprawl or trying to change elevation down to take you down. You really learn how to fight off somebody trying to take you down. And I think that's a really important thing. Um, in Muay Thai, you know, that the, there's really no takedowns. It's more of throwing somebody off balance and, and dominating position and knocking them down. But when you really learn that, you can really built that into your MMA training and learn that if you have a really strong Muay Thai clinch in, in your stance, it, it's really hard to take somebody down with that. So when you learn when you learn your knees, you're learning that you're going to use that distance in between your opponent where you're pushing them and then pulling them in and throwing straight knees or side knees, really breaking down your opponent and, and, and punishing them so that if the fight does get taken down to the ground, they're not hurting quite a bit. And when you're hurting and you're kind of beat up and you're on the ground, your jujitsu kind of it's now 50 percent. So you're not right. you're not 100 percent taking it to the ground. And, you know, it's a chess match, as you, as you and I both know, two guys are fresh and they're going to the ground. It's based based on who's got the best technique, who's going to make a mistake and you're going to capitalize on it. But when you're kind of beaten up, you take those person's legs apart They've been taking some really hard knees into really crucial points of the body. And when you're taken down, now all of a sudden your guard position kind of opens up because you're hurting a little bit. So it's really one of those things where if you learn to be very good at Muay Thai, it, it's really effective. And like I said, now when you go into the elbow part of it, learning how it's just small little techniques in the clinch, um, again, dominant position in the clinch, and then learning how to just slight turns of the hand the fist to throw elbows into your opponent and you know we're, we're talking of just little small elbows here and there that'll really take apart the opponent without them even doing anything um, you learn to generate a lot of power ba basically using your hip flexors and it's just it's really a really cool thing to see that you can do so many different types of elbows from that clinch without a whole lot of effort behind it. So if you don't know how to defend against it, that's the problem. And so with this type of, of technique, you're going to learn a defense for that so that you know how to defend yourself against these elbows. Because uh, at that pro level, I don't see a whole lot of pros throwing a lot of standing elbows. And that's probably one of the easiest ways to take apart an opponent right away and end a fight. So if you can learn that and you can effectively dominate the clinch, and so now you're standing up, your, your opponent can't do much. They can't throw punches or kicks against you because you got a defense for that. You start taking apart their body, and then there now you got the knees on the inside. And if they decide to clinch with you, now you got that upper advantage to throw elbows and also knees. And if you don't know how to defend against it, you're in a lot of trouble, especially against a, a real Muay Thai fighter. So it's it's definitely something to learn. And a lot of those elbow techniques can be uh, transitioned to the ground and used from the mount or from your back or if somebody's shooting a double, like learning those details that these guys teach about throwing elbows and the technique can transition and not just throwing the elbows from the clinch, but you know being able to throw the elbows anywhere in any position, especially in an MMA fight, uh, to help you get out of a bad spot. Most definitely. Steve, I just had a kind of a question about how did you get yourself into the Muay Thai world? Yeah, I've been doing Muay Thai for about over 15 years. I got started a little bit late in life, but uh, I did kickboxing before three years of kickboxing, and I thought that I was pretty pretty good for uh, three years of training. And 
got in the ring and I lost my first fight to a guy who had a big Muay Thai background. And I mean, I felt like an amateur, like I didn't even know what I was doing as a kickboxer. He played around with me and that kind of made me determine that I need to learn Muay Thai. So that's where I took things seriously and started training and made a real big difference once you started transitioning and learning the difference between kickboxing and Muay Thai. And you'll hear a lot of the real people that are traditional into to Thailand style Muay Thai. We don't really call it Muay Thai kickboxing. Um, we don't like people to to kind of confuse it and think that it's kickboxing. It's a form of kickboxing, but it stands on its own. And the analogy for me is, you know, scotch to whiskey. You know, it, it, people call it scotch. They don't call it scotch whiskey. It's, it's the same thing for Muay Thai. Muay Thai is kickboxing, but kickboxing is not Muay Thai. So definitely a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I had the opportunity to learn from some of the best in the world, legends. And um, I just tried to promote the art and to keep it growing and to pass on what was passed on to me for, you know, the last 15 years of my life. You know, I really appreciate it. It's changed me as a person. It's changed me who I am today, you know, and made a lot of friends over the years. And, you know, I just continue to, to pass on the art of, of something that to me is, is a part of my life. It's, it's a lifestyle, you know, and I really appreciate what I've learned over all my years. Yeah, definitely. And then, and having you, um, as a coach as well, I know that we've had a couple seminars together and done some classes and, um, yeah, you do a great job of, of promoting the sport, promoting what Muay Thai is and, and teaching it as well. Thank you. Appreciate that. And again, everybody, we have our, our event coming up in Butte December 3rd. Um, it is uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing bouts. Steve's hopefully going to be one of our judges up there. Uh, we've got 13 fights at the Butte Civic Center December 3rd. If you're looking for tickets for that, you can visit fightforce.com or head to the Butte Civic Center. Uh, Steve, want to thank you for your time today, and hopefully we can have you on again in the future. And uh, just again, guys, everybody remember we're, we're trying to raise some funds for this uh, seminar. Um, we've got to get uh, 50 people pre-registered to make this happen. So go to montanagrappling.com, get registered there. And we've got to have all our registrations in by December 15th, and we will keep everybody posted on the, the seminar there and at the Fight Force pages. Raise some funds for this uh, seminar. Um, we've got to get uh, 50 people pre-registered to make this happen. So go to montanagrappling.com, get registered there. And we've got to have all our registrations in by December 15th, and we will keep everybody posted on the, the seminar there and at the Fight Force pages. Awesome. Right. Yeah, thank thank you. you very much, Steve. Thank you. Yep, guys. Thank you. We'd like to thank our podcast sponsor, Wingredient. Wingredient is clucking good hot wing sauce. They've won the Reno's Biggest Little City Wing Fest for three years running, and they are made in Bozeman, Montana. The sauce can be found all over the state. You can find Wingredient Wing Mix at the following restaurants. Sometimes they're specials. Sometimes it's on the menu all the time. We've got Brusker's in Bozeman, Montana, the Cat's Paw in Bozeman's, Montana, Storm Castle Cafe in Bozeman, Montana, Burger Bob's in Bozeman, Montana, Dry Fi Saloon in Bozeman, Montana, The Office Lounge and Liquor Store in Livingston, High Horse Saloon in Billings, Halftime Sports Bar in Great Falls, M&M in Butte, Montana, Champo's Pizza in Great Falls, Montana. You can buy the mix at Withy's Health Food in Kalispell, Eagles Club in Haver has it, Missoula's Montana Distillery has the wing sauce, and so does McGrath's in Butte. Got a lot of wing sauce out there for a lot of wing fans. We want to thank Wingredient for sponsoring us. You can check them out at winggredient.com to order the award-winning wing mix for yourself.
Thanks again, Steve Chai, for talking to us about Muay Thai and the Muay Thai seminar we're trying to put together in Montana. Again, montanagrappling.com. You can go there to register. And if you want to see more Muay Thai, we've got Muay Thai and kickboxing bouts coming up December 3rd at the Butte Civic Center. Prelims at 6.30 p.m., main card at 7 p.m. General admission tickets are 20 Reserve seats up to $30. Two GA tickets get you a free child's ticket. Don't want to miss these fights. Please tell all your friends come out. This will be the first all-kickboxing event in Butte, Montana. And you don't want to miss it. And one of the fighters that's from Butte, Montana, that's fighting on the card, is coming up in our next interview, Robert Lester. All right, everyone. We're here with our guest, Robert Lester. Robert's fighting in the Butte brawls that are coming up this weekend, December 3rd at the Butte Civic Center. Uh, Robert's going to be having his kickboxing match. How are you doing today, Robert? Good. So, Robert, you through the roof. Excited. (laughs) Um. Robert, you've been training for for a while. Can you tell us a little bit about your training background, how you got started in martial arts uh, up to where you're training today? Yeah, so I started uh, doing judo with John Atman in Butte when I was about five. And then I I slowly started to get more into the jujitsu and joined kind of the Streets of Butte club uh, over there. And then when I came to college, I started at Montana Mixed Martial Arts in Bozeman. And then I've been kind of cross-training there and some at the Grit Training Center in Butte. How old are you now, Robert? I'm 19. Okay, so you've been doing uh, judo for 14 years with John over there. Um, did you do any other martial arts while you were doing judo during that time? or? No, not not particularly. And you did a, a lot of tournaments through the state as a kid. Um, and you've had a few MMA fights now. How was... How do you think those previous tournaments and grappling tournaments has, have helped you out with uh, competing in the in the cage? I think it's huge to get like any experience that you can. Um, so like grappling tournaments help you deal with the nerves. It's not quite the same, I don't think, as the MMA match, but like it still helps you like prepare your body and your mind even. Yeah, I found that the fighters that do the best have done you know previous like wrestling tournaments you know just wrestling through high school or lots of kickboxing tournaments or jujitsu grappling tournaments judo tournaments that they have that experience of going up against a stranger getting those nerves worked out perfecting their technique it goes a long way into being prepared to to take a step into the cage yeah yeah i i'd agree with that monty and i were talking about that earlier um just even with kickboxing matches you know it's always good to get your feet wet those way um, outside of an actual MMA bout. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we got a lot of guys that, you know, are functional for MMA, um, with their wrestling and their judo. And this is a good way to make them, you know, work on their feet and have some competition where it's like, all right, you've got to work your stand up. It happened to one of our fighters from our gym. He was expecting an MMA fight. There was a little bit of miscommunication. It ended up being a kickboxing match that he was able to win. Um, but I think in the long run, as far as helping him become a better athlete and fighter, I think that was the best thing for him. And even after that bout, the way his stand-ups looked in the gym, he's been a lot more confident with it. So, Robert, yeah, you're fighting this Saturday, Ram. Um, what weight are you fighting at? Uh, 145. 145. Is that a uh, a good weight for you, you feel? Or uh, where do yeah. you normally fight? Yeah, right in that range usually, right about there. Well, cool. Well, cool. You're going into in the fight week now. Um, kind of just talk us through what this what this week will look like for you. Uh, you know, just a lot of getting ready mentally, making sure that the diet's still clean and getting the correct amount of water in you before, uh, you're cut. I shouldn't have too much of a cut this time. Um, just a bit and just make sure my skills are still sharp. Uh, did you down some turkey last week? 
Yeah, ate a little turkey. All right. <laughs> well, cool. So, so have you kickboxed before in competition? I have not. Okay, so this will be your first uh, kickboxing fight. Um, what about your your MMA fights? How many how many fights in competition have you had? Three MMA matches. Very cool. Uh, is this going to be stretching for you to do uh, a kickboxing fight? Uh, how do you how do you feel about it that way? Um, I think you know it's it's different because I've always had the chance to rely on my judo if I needed to. Okay. Um, but I think that this is good experience for me and helps me become more well rounded. He's just saying that because I'm sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Uh, it, it'll definitely help me well rounded. Uh, yeah, Robert's doing really well in the gym. Kicks really hard, so this will be a good match for him. I think Lance is a definitely good opponent for a kickboxing match. So it'll it'll be a fun fight. So, Robert, I heard you've been sad lately. Yeah. Because there's no snow. Yeah. What's with, why is there no snow? I don't know. I think that the seasons are moving later in general. So I think that, like, snow will come and stay later in general, and then, like, summer will be later and everything. Is that like a pole-shifting conspiracy theory? No, it's that's just what I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Robert's a snow scientist, or he's going to school to be a snow science. So tell everybody what snow science is. Snow science, it's part of the like um, earth science majors at MSU. Oh. And I want to either work on like avalanche safety or work on glacial geology. So there's like a... What what else do you when you study like that? You were telling me, don't you guys have like an... You have a snow chamber at school that yeah. like builds snow? Like, but uh, just... just what do you how, what do you study when you study snow science? Like, what are the classes like? So a lot of it's uh, weather and climate stuff, and like processes. So like how the Earth systems work to understand that snow. And then there is a, a snow lab at MSU, and it's a place where you can look at snow and actually make snow, um, and look at its structure and how it interacts together to form um, some of the things we see when we go out and look in nature. So when when do you expect to be able to be on the mountain? I know you're I know you're waiting. Hopefully uh, by like the sixteenth when I get out of college for break. <laughs> yeah, hope. <laughs> ideal. Hopefully there's enough snow up there by then. Yeah, that would that would be great. Do you uh, do you ski or snowboard? Ski. You you well, said that like snowboarding is bad. So what <laughs> what's what's the story there? Yeah, let's hear it. Come on. It's it's, it's better than snowboarding. It's true. No. We're all friends on the mountain, but we're just we're just slightly better than. I, I don't do either, but like I guess people skiing skiing's faster, correct? Skiing is faster. Yeah, it's, and it's a lot easier to get around. What has more injuries? Skiing has more severe injuries because a lot of times skiers can get hurt by their skis when they come off, and they'll they'll take a lot of more large wrecks than snowboarders but snowboarders will often fall more often so are snowboarders or skiers the smarter of the two i'd say skiers because i like to ski (laughs) (laughs) snowboarder he'd say snowboarding i'll I'll, I'll try to find a snowboarder to get on here that's so robert uh do you have any sponsors you'd like to mention for your for your fight coming up anybody you'd like to to talk about and give a shout out to i don't really have any sponsors but uh I'd just like to say thank you to like all the gyms I've trained at before with the Streets of Butte, um, Montana Mixed Martial Arts, and Grit Training Center. All right, Robert, we're, we did this with everybody last week. We're gonna we're gonna do it again today. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna rapid fire some questions at you. Hopefully, I can remember what they were last week, and I have to I have to make up a new one for the second part because everybody already had that. Um, 
so I will I will start out. You'll answer the questions as fast as you can, and uh, and then maybe we'll talk about your answers. See what they're like. Uh, favorite food? Ribs. Favorite movie? Jeremiah Johnson. Favorite band? Three Days Grace. What one am I missing? What other? What was the other one we favorite did? Favorite book. Favorite book. Favorite book. Probably the Harry Potter books. I read those. The Harry Potter books. You read them all. Yeah. <laughs> did you go see the new movie? No. Are you Dude, gonna I, go see I went and saw it on Friday. How was it? Dude, I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty whimsical. Um, yeah, it was, it was nice to be back in the wizarding world. <laughs> I might have to go check that one out just to escape a little bit. And last question. Who of all the different people that have played Batman in the movies, who's the best Batman? I can't name an actor. That <laughs> you can't name an actor that played Batman? <laughs> Man, killed that question. All right. Uh, Heath Ledger was the best Joker. That. Okay, that's we'll, that's we'll take that as an answer. answer. That's an acceptable answer if we knew one. Okay, we'll take Heath Ledger as the best Joker, and the best Batman. We'll 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 slide on that one. Um, Robert, uh, so you help out at the gyms a little bit. You work with some of the kids in the state too, as far as teaching kids. Uh, and you you've been teaching kids a long time in martial arts. And there's there's a lot of martial arts gyms out there in Montana that have kids programs. And you starting as a kid, how has martial arts or, or how, what is good about martial arts for kids in general? I think uh, the things martial arts can teach kids um, is to be respectful, um, to always try hard, and to always have fun. And I think that those are three rules that you can live your life by. Um, if you're always respectful in life, you're going to have good things happen, and you got to try your hardest to get the things you want. And then I think that you should always enjoy your life and have a good time. Yeah, that's a good answer. And just want to let people out there know that, you know, there are a lot of great youth instructors in the state of Montana for judo, jujitsu, boxing, kickboxing, wrestling. Always good to look around and, you know, get your kid out into something if you have the opportunity. And if you need information on schools in Montana, you can always message us at uh, Fight Force Unlocked at our Fight Force page or the Fight Force Unlocked Facebook page. And uh, Robert, so we're going to do a new segment and see how this works out. It might get cut from the show. Uh, but you can ask me or Zach any question that you've ever wanted to ask somebody. <laughs> and you, you get to choose. Either or, or do I get a question for both? Uh, just one of us. You can, how did you start to like comic books? How did I start oh, to like comic books? Great question. I started probably liking comic books because I watched cartoons and then I would go when I was a kid and I would go to buy action figures. And in the action figure section, there were Wolverine toys next to the G.I. Joe toys. And I didn't know what it was, but I thought it looked cool. So I got it. And then I saw a comic book with the character on it. And then I started reading the comics and the stories. Uh, and I just really enjoyed the the different artwork and, and the stories of the characters. And... Um, so that's how I got started. Then I just started reading them and collecting them and wanting to understand more about the, the universe. And it was just a good break, you know, anything for me, that's a, where I can get a break from reality and work that can distract me from everything else. I try to find those things. And that was one of the things that did it when I was younger, but that was, that was the gateway drug was the GI Joe cartoons. Like if we're going to start it. So, um, awesome. Robert, thanks for being on the show. Uh, our second podcast. So 
we'll we'll get it out there soon. You can tell your friends and family to to listen to it. And uh, guys, if you're looking to uh, sponsor any fighters for the fight, uh, you can contact Robert Lester on Facebook, and you can get tickets and tables through him. If you're looking to stuff for the fights, it helps him out and helps out his training. Thanks, Thanks Robert. <laughs> All right, boom, we're out. All right, see you, man. We'd like to thank our podcast sponsor, Wingredient. Wingredient is clucking good hot wing sauce. They've won the Reno's Biggest Little City Wing Fest for three years running, and they are made in Bozeman, Montana. The sauce can be found all over the state. You can find Wingredient Wing Mix at the following restaurants. Sometimes they're specials. Sometimes it's on the menu all the time. We've got Brusker's in Bozeman, Montana, the Cat's Paw in Bozeman's Montana, Storm Castle Cafe in Bozeman, Montana, Burger Bob's in Bozeman, Montana, Dry Fi Saloon in Bozeman, Montana, the Office Lounge and Liquor Store in Livingston, High Horse Saloon in Billings, Halftime Sports Bar in Great Falls, M&M in Butte, Montana, Champo's Pizza in Great Falls, Montana. You can buy the mix at Withy's Health Food in Kalispell. Eagles Club in Haver has it. Missoula's Montana Distillery has the wing sauce, and so does McGrath's in Butte. Got a lot of wing sauce out there for a lot of wing fans. We want to thank Wingredient for sponsoring us. You can check them out at wingredient.com to order the award-winning wing mix for yourself. I'd like to thank Robert Lester again for taking the time to visit with us. And again, another shout-out to our sponsor, Wingredient. Uh, you can find them all over Montana. Go to wingredient.com. It makes a great gift for Christmas for people that love wing sauce and hot sauce. Make sure you check them out. And again, Butte Fights coming up December 3rd at the Butte Civic Center. Tickets at fightforce.com and thebutteciviccenter.com. One of the aspects of fighting that not everybody understands is that of the referee. Referees get a lot of flack, and it's the hardest job out there. So we want to always have respect for our referees. They're always trying to keep our fighters safe and working to do the best job they can. And they're learning and improving all the time. And we're going to get with one of our referees here shortly, Cal Clark, on our segment the third man in the ring. And we are on to our next segment, the third man in the cage. And we were talking with one of Montana's referees, Cal Clark. And I not sure when did, when did you start refing Cal? I was trying to think who the longest running referee in the state is. It's definitely Dennis Spain as far as the longest running active referee. Um, who, when did you start? You might be the second. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's been a while. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to think, I don't know for sure. Um, I know, like Brett, Brett was a ref before me for sure, but Brett hasn't done it in a while. So um, he, he might be, he might be, as far as active referees are concerned, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the second, but I think Brett did it for quite a few more years than me. But, but yeah, like I said, he's not doing it anymore. So. And my, yeah. my refing is uh, very non-consistent, so I don't, I never count myself in that. Uh, but yeah, I believe you are the, the second longest running and um, you've been refing a lot of fights and, you know, one of the things we've tried to do is is get our referees, you know, to the point where they're getting educated. And you took it a step beyond what most of the referees do, and you actually went to the John McCarthy training uh, clinics and got certified under John McCarthy to be a referee. And it's one of the things I uh, wanted to chat with you about. We talked about, you know, referees, uh, referees get a lot of flack from people when they don't think calls are right. And it's one of the hardest jobs out there. And you've been on both sides. You've been on you know, good calls and bad call sides in your fights. And, you know, what, uh, in, in your experience, um, let's, let's just go first to the John McCarthy training. Um, why did you decide to do that? What was the clinic like? Any cool stories from the clinic? 
you know, and, and I believe it was much harder than people think it would be. Is that correct? Yeah, it was. It was. It was definitely unex. Un- I didn't expect it to be as hard as it was. Like, um, I, I mean, I felt anytime I I take on a role of some sort, I try to get, you know, as much education as I can on that role. I think it's important. You know what I mean? As far as your confidence in what you're doing, to get as much education as you can. Um, so that's why I took took it upon myself to to go um go up to actually had to go up to Canada and uh, take the uh, class there. It was, a, like I said, it was, it, was, it was a great, it was a class, and there was a testing involvement into it that I didn't realize. Um, it, was, it was pretty intense for what it was. I mean, I was, I was, I was impressed. I, I, was, I was happy that it was intense. I think it's an important thing for sure. Um, I think it's very important that uh, referees are, uh, have as much knowledge as they can have and um, you know, to make those kind of calls. It's really important. So. Yeah, and I went to the... Uh... ABC referee clinic with Dave Evans, one of our other referees who just started refing over the last year or two and learned a lot from the clinic they did there. It wasn't a full certification, but you know, something we want to try to go to each year and get referees there when we can. And, um, there was, they were talking about how many techniques they wanted to make sure you knew. And obviously there's a ton of rules changes coming up in MMA, but how many, how many techniques were you guys tested on? Do you remember? I mean, I, it's been a, it's been quite a few years since I've been there. I know there was a lot. Like it, it was a really neat process, actually. And and I mean, as a, as a fighter and with my fighting experience, like learning, you know, what technique is what was a lot easier for me than a lot. There's there's a lot of guys that were in that class that were just referees, and they were trying to make like the transition from like being a boxing referee or a wrestling referee or a kickboxing referee into the MMA world. And I think that was a really difficult part of it for them was to, you know, they would just show you a technique for um, three seconds on a screen and you would have to write down what technique that was. I mean, I think there was, I think it was, I mean, it was a good number. It was, you know, like in between 80 or a hundred different techniques that they would show, whether it be simple with like a double leg or a single leg to like umaplatas. And, and basically the primary reason that they wanted to show those techniques is they wanted you to be aware of what kind of danger that particular fighter was in and to be able to be ready to stop it if need be, if that person was able to tap. And also like, even for like takedowns, like where, what direction that takedown may go. So, you know, to be out of the way when that happens. So that was the primary reason they did the technique. And like I said, there was a lot of, a lot of techniques. It was just, like I said, they, they, they flash a picture of a technique on a screen. Um, and part of the testing process is you'd have, you know, three seconds to write what that technique was, and then they'd flash another technique. So it was pretty intense. It wasn't, like I said, I could see it being very, very difficult if you don't have a background in MMA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they went through a lot of that stuff in the recertification clinic slash training we did at the uh, ABC in Vegas over the summer. And, you know, talked about different things on, like, you know, way guys get knocked out and how they fall differently from that. And positioning was a huge thing, like where to put yourself so you can see what needs to be seen, you know, how to deal with calls that go wrong or how to deal with fouls and you know a lot of a lot of changes coming up that people are going to start seeing in mma i believe after the first year they were talking about some of these changes and uh you know we're still trying to find out which ones got passed and which ones didn't but we know one of the things is like you know downed opponent status is going to change where these guys that are coming out with their pinkies or you know tips of their finger on the mat and their feet on the mat that's no longer going to be considered down you know because their legs are still supporting their weight and, uh, you know, so people that play that game, trying not to get kneed in the head, like that's one of the changes. Um, do you remember the other changes they were discussing, Cal? I'm trying to remember 
which ones they were. Um, I think, to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure most of the changes were changes that I actually agree with. The, the down opponent was definitely one of the big changes. Um, I think the old uh, heel heel kick to the kidney, I think they're legal now or yep. going to be legal. That's right. Coach That's right. Change make. Um, and then the, um, the uh, actually, the which is kind of neat, the, the, the floor or the ceiling to floor elbows, I think, and, is now going to be legal. Yeah, I, and that's, that's – yeah, I've heard but two different I, I don't things know on for that. Sure until it, yeah, I, I don't, until it officially comes out, I don't know for sure. That was just one of the things they talked about were those elbows. And a couple of little, you know, small um, rule changes that have been made. But I, I really didn't get a lot. I didn't, I didn't memorize any of the changes because I didn't know for sure if it was going to happen or not until it actually changes. And then, then I'll, I'll put more into it so I know exactly. But I know, I know the down opponent thing is big on the list. And that that heel kicks to the, you know, to the kidney, which is you know pretty silly. That's kind of an old school rule. I think that's going to get taken away. Um, and then I know another thing is about you know they're talking about the outstretched fingers and to kind of protect with the eye pokes. Um, that's going to be another you know if you have that hand out, you either got to have a fist or the fingers pointing to the ceiling. I know they talked about that more. I don't know if they're going to put more depth into that particular rule, but they're going to talk about it. Yeah, they're definitely getting into the eye gouging, uh, trying to deal with that as best they can. Seems to be the happening a lot these days, and you know, hopefully changing that will keep people from getting jabbed in the eye as much. What uh, is, as far as your referee experience, what is your perception on like how the fans see a referee? Um, I mean, you've been refing a long time. I'm just kind of curious. Have you ever had a fan come up to you and tell you you've done a good job or come up and said you did a terrible job? Have you ever had any interaction or do they, do they even see you? I mean, outside of once the fights are over, does anybody ever come up and talk to you? I've actually, I've actually not had very many experiences with fans per se. I get, I get coaches every once in a while that I'll have to explain the situation to people in the corner. Um, I've been, I've been, um, I guess we'll call it, I'll call it fortunate that I haven't had any big giant issues where I've had a big situation. A couple of my early, early refing gigs, I know I've had a couple of uh, grabbing the cages that I that I missed that I got brought to my attention, uh, mainly by mainly by my teammates. But um, for the most part, um, I, I, I've been very fortunate not to have any big major incidences that ended up, you know, causing any kind of uh, sure. you know major outcry from fans. Um, but uh, mainly, mainly corner guys. I get corner guys every once in a while. They get a little bit confused, and I, I'll hear them, um, you know, talking in the corner. And then sometimes they'll talk to me after, and I'll have to explain a situation maybe that they didn't see right, or maybe you know if, if I saw something different. Um, but usually it's just they'll 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 maybe get the rules a little bit confused and maybe be coaching their guys the wrong way um, sometimes. So I have to uh, have to uh, kind of maybe explain to them between rounds that they might not want to tell their, their, uh, their fighter to do the wrong thing and do something illegal. So I've had that a couple of times, but other than that, um, I haven't had very many fans and that's, that's the goal. That's the goal of all referees is I want to be a ghost. Like I don't want anyone to remember me who ref their, that fight, or I, I want to not even be existing in the eye of the fan. That means I did a good job if they don't. So Cal, what was it like when the, Owners of Fight Force made you wear a GoPro on your forehead for a refereeing. What what were your feelings when you put that on? This was this was this was an ongoing battle with me and the owners of Fight Force. Um, 
yeah, I mean, you know, I can understand like a lot of people love that ref, that ref vision, that ref vision. Uh, I think the owners of Fight Force have watched way too many fights from Japan and just really love that image and that uh, that idea of the ref uh, thing. And you know what? I, I would be now that they make cameras so much smaller and less ridiculous. I'd be I'd be I'd be willing to revisit that because it does have some cool, very cool vision. If I could get it in a in a pair of like uh, cool um, uh, glasses, Superman glasses, some, or something some like spy that. Glasses. That'd be more, if it could, if it could be wired, if it could be wired into your hat, like why do why why do we always exactly. wear a hat? What what what's I what's significance the of the hat? I just I just I, like the hat. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I always wear a hat. It's a trademark. Um, it is. It's the trademark look. Exactly. So it's the hat. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Want, I get a little slack sometimes from that. You can you can throw it at a fighter like to get him to stop. Just start hitting him with it. <laughs> exactly. I haven't seen that yet. That's what I'm waiting for. It's like bad. So the next time somebody grabs a cage, I want you to yeah. take your hat off and slap them with the hat. Because I guarantee right. they're going to be like, "What the hell?" They're going to let go, right? That that'll give me that'll justify why I'm wearing the hat. I guess if I can if I can find it as a useful tool somehow, like a fly then I swatter. Can't get any more. You know, and if you do happen to have to do it at some point, I mean, we can post it on YouTube. Make you a YouTube superstar. It'll go viral. <laughs> I should have a rolled up newspaper in my back pocket is what I should be carrying. That's probably be the best thing to squat at them with. Yeah, that's all that's you know, that's the one thing I see the most of like, you know, as far as unintentional fouls, like lots of cage grabbing and it's just instinct. Oh, you're yeah. fall you're falling, you reach out and your body's just grabbing and it's I mean that's that's a tough one. You know, the fighters just kind of do it on instinct and um, you know, we've always had that talk, you know, there's always like a cage versus ring, what's better? And, you know, some things are better for other fights. And sometimes it's a budget consideration. Sometimes it's a size consideration on the venue. And, you know, what do the fans want to see? What has better visibility? What's safer for the fighters? And that's another discussion we can have in the future on the show. But um, you're, you're definitely a cage guy. I'd uh, like to see the MMA yeah. fights in the cage versus the ring. And I, I don't even know, are any of the Japanese shows, or are, are they doing ring fights still? Are they, all, are they going to the cage? I, I haven't watched any of the Risen stuff that's been going on. I, I think they're all going to the cage. I mean, that's just kind of the trademark. I mean, that's, I mean, as far as like, it all depends. I mean, if you have a, if you're a wrestler and you want that takedown option, it's so much easier to be taking people down off the cage. Uh, working your clinch is better off the cage. All that kind of stuff is better off the cage. I mean, if you're a, I mean, definitely the, the downsides of the cage are definitely the view for the um, um, fan for sure. Cause that's blocking their view quite a bit compared to a ring. Um, I think if you're having a stand-up fight with no takedowns, um, I'm, I'm definitely like the ring better. But as far as uh, takedowns and MMA is concerned, I'm definitely a fan of the cage. Um, and, you know, these days, you know, as we've, as we've seen, we've went to uh, larger shows, and they don't even really are – they're not even com- as concerned with the fans that are there. They're all about the televised option, so that doesn't affect – the, obviously the view the camera guys are standing over top of the cage so it doesn't affect it all so i think a lot of those companies are just going toward you know what i mean we're, we're here for the tv audience more than the live audience so that's where that you know the cage doesn't matter then so. yeah the big pay-per-view shows are definitely definitely leaning that way they want the big pay-per-view numbers and people watching it at home and you know they're still doing big gates some of those some of those big shows man they're they're doing crazy gates oh, yeah. and people are still going Let's go over what your duties are for the night. And I think a lot of people see you guys uh, in the cage, refing the bouts, but don't understand like what you're doing in between your bouts, 
what you do during the day, um, as far as just the referee aspect, you know, take us through your, your fight day. Like what's your, what are the first things you have to do? Yeah. So, so if we're just, we're, you know, we're not going to go just off of what the referee is responsible for. Um, so the responsibility of the referee, um, are initially start with, um, when we do, um, we're, we're going to do a rules meeting initially. Um, that's usually early in the day, anywhere from one in the afternoon till four in the afternoon. So that, that's our primary thing is the rules meeting, um, get the rules meeting done, make sure everyone is clear on the rules. Um, there is, there is talk that we may do a, a video, which I think is a great idea because no matter how many times I do the speech, I always seem to forget something or don't um, emphasize something that I should. So I think that'd be a great uh, thing in the future that we do a, a rules meeting video and then still be present for questions and stuff like that. But that'll make, uh, make sure that I hit everything for sure or the referee gets everything. But so rules meeting is the first thing we do. Um, then, you know, I usually go, um, if I didn't, up the cage i usually go i could go to the cage and i like to uh make sure everything's all right make sure the cage is safe make sure there's no missing bolts or pads falling off or you know anything like that broken boards or whatever else that happens in that cage because it's your responsibility once you're there make sure it's safe um and then another thing that we're responsible for is pre-fight you know we're making sure guys have their hands wrapped making sure the, the hand wraps all legal making sure that's okay, signing off on gloves, making sure they have the right uh, one right glove and one left glove, which always happens every show. We don't have that. Um, we always have two lefties for some reason. Um, so we always do do our glove checks, and then, you know, once, um, once show starts, you know what I mean, even if you're not in the cage, you are also um, on the outside of the cage, you're applying Vaseline, you're checking the fighters. Again, you're checking gloves as maybe the later – the main event fighters maybe haven't got their gloves checked, doing all that kind of stuff, staying active with that stuff. So um, other than being in the cage, there's some other roles and responsibilities you fill in for. Um, and then even even further than that, even if you're not at the event, uh, the referees in Montana, I mean, like we, we talk about all the time, um, the, uh, the good promoters, if there is a call that is not, let's say not uh, agreed upon on both sides, um, you know, a good promoter will pull those other referees and ask questions and, and maybe, you know, overturn decisions and stuff like that. So role responsibility referees is a lot more than just what's in the cage. And it, it's a, um, it, it's a, it's a good, it's good to take, um, take pride in that responsibility and, you know, take it seriously for sure. Cause a lot of these times, sometimes, especially these guys pro fights, you know, this goes on their permanent record forever. So we want to be sure we're doing the right thing and everything's, everything's right for sure. So. Yeah, and we, we have had to uh, take some fights and take them to uh, the commission in Montana. Unfortunately, at this time, is uh, all the events are self-sanctioned. So um, we take them to, you know, if, if we have a call that people are questioning on whether a fight needs to be overturned, we take it to the referees and have them all review it with letters coming in from both parties um, or, or a decision. So basically our process is for people who are wondering that if there's somebody thinks there's a bad call or a bad decision, uh, the side that doesn't like the call or the decision will file an official complaint. Uh, we, we take the complaint in, I guess, uh, our reversal, not necessarily a, a complaint. And, uh, we take their side of the story. Uh, we get the side of the story of the other team and we take it out, you know, anywhere from three to five officials without the, throughout the state of Montana that both parties agree upon and go from there. You know, we've had to do it with decisions. We've had to do it with, 
results of events and it's always different turnouts. Sometimes they stay, sometimes they get changed, uh, but we try to keep it as fair as possible for everybody. And uh, we always, you know, people within the organization try to keep our thoughts on what we think should happen out of it. Um, but we've had a lot of different things happen and, you know, hopefully the referees grow from it and the fighters grow from, from those situations. And, you know, if, if there was ever a moment that you grew from the most as a referee, like one incident that you can think of, you know, what, what would that be? Was there ever one thing that happened where you're like, man, I'm, I'm so much better a referee because this happened to me. Um, I guess I, that's, that's, I can't really pick one thing. Uh, I'll do, I'll share a couple things. Um, so like, like I, like I uh, alluded to earlier, I had it earlier where there was a, a grab in the fence incident that, um, that was pointed out to, to me that, you know, I, this person was grabbing the fence and could have stopped the takedown. Uh, that, that made me really focus on that fence grabbing and pay closer attention to that um, as, a, as a career as, as a referee. But to be, to be honest with you, most of my shaping as a referee happened as a fighter because I've been on the side of a call that I'm like, man, that, that you know, I'm, I'm pretty fair and I'm, I'm not overly emotional when it comes to um, my fight career. But there was a couple situations where I've had some really good referees make some decisions that I know weren't right um maybe they saw it that way but i definitely knew that you know uh one one particular fight got stopped when i was you know my head was clear as could be and he thought i was in trouble and i wasn't in trouble um and that was like i said that that was just just like i said that's what he saw in his eyes that's what he saw and and like i said so so that just makes me you know that's just one incident that made me really feel like hey you know um you know, I, I really want to be, I know how I felt as a fighter and how that, that, um, that affected me. And so I, I'm, I'm very, very, um, observant with the fighters and I'm very, I give them every chance they can to fight out of a certain situation, um, keeping their safety in mind for sure. But I know how I felt as a fighter that I felt that I was, I was maybe robbed of a chance. Um, and like I said, that, that happens in fights. I, I know what happens in fights, but like I said, it, it really did affect me as far as my refing and I'm, I'm making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm taking it very seriously and doing the best, making the best calls I can based on some of the stuff that happened to me as a fighter. So for sure that, that affected me more than actual refing. So. Yeah. And the refs see a lot of things that we don't, I've seen stuff cage side where I'm like, why did that fight get stopped? And I have to go check with the ref to be like, Hey, what was it that you saw? And I've seen fights that I, you know, think maybe need to be stopped sooner and i always you know try to communicate with the refs afterwards and like hey you know like what do you think what were you seeing what was i seeing from outside and you know been watching stuff too and just i think everybody's getting better and stronger as referees in the state and keeping our athletes really safe no like i said it's definitely like i said it's definitely opinion and that's what it is i mean there's going to be you're going to have uh i mean you're going to have referees have that different threshold of what they think is defending themselves and what what's not defending themselves and every, every, every referee is going to have our goal is to bring that together as close as, as it can be. I mean, so we can be consistent, but like that's the goal for sure. But it's still opinion, no matter what happens when you're in, when you're in the cage, when you're in the ring, it's the referee's opinion. So yeah. And the one, try the, to try our best. I was going to say Go the ahead. one thing, the one thing that I've seen that, you know, that I was kind of talking to everybody about recently was, you know, everyone's like, Oh, you've got to have intelligent defense for the bout not to be stopped. And, you know, I think that's one thing that has to be reevaluated is when a, uh, especially when an amateur fighter is in a position where they're getting struck and their intelligent defense is just to move. I don't think just moving is intelligent defense. 
in, in some of those situations. And maybe that's where I'm considering that fights need to be stopped sooner. If somebody's just bucking their hips and, you know, but they're still eating punches. Um, I don't consider that intelligent defense as far as like, they're not going to get out and they just keep eating other shots. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that's definitely, I mean, you know, intelligently defending yourself, that that's again, comes into opinion to a certain, certain um, aspect of it. But definitely, like, like I said, if, if intelligent defending is your, your movement is either getting to a point where you're avoiding getting struck or improving your position, like, like just bucking to buck isn't quite enough um, to intelligent defend yourself. But there's a lot of other factors to keep into play too. You know what I mean? If, if you know, you know, if there's six seconds left in the round and he bucked his hip a couple of times, I, I'm showing that he's alert, ready, understanding what's going on, and he's getting to the end of that round. You know, if there's three minutes left in a round and he's just taking shots and bucking his hips, then there's no, you know, I mean, I've, I've recognized that he doesn't know how to get out of that position and he doesn't know what he's going to do. And he needs to, um, needs, he needs me to help him to stop getting hit. So, yeah, I think that's important. I think like when it comes to the techniques that referees need to know, I think we look at a lot of offensive techniques, like we need to know arm bars and setups and this and that. But I think one of the things that I know they didn't talk about in any of the discussions on any of the referee trainings I've been through we're like, how do you get out of a position to be able to say, okay, this fighter might actually get out of this because he's doing the technique correct, or to go like, I don't know what this fighter's trying to do to get out, but there is no way he's getting out, you know, doing what he's doing and knowing like, man, I got to get in and keep this guy from taking damage so that, you know, he can learn more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no, it, it's definitely, like I said, you you have to, um, you know, once we start talking about amateur fighter and pro fighter, that also changes things a little bit, you know what I mean? Um uh, at a pro fighter level, you're supposed to be able to handle um, these situations. You put yourself in these situations before, whether it be training. Amateurs, you know, you don't know what how much they've trained before they got to this fight stage. So, so I, I'm a, I'm going to be a little more cautious with them for sure because I want, you know, I mean, they they have a lot more time to learn, and their amateur record isn't nearly as important as their pro. Record. So, uh, definitely the amateur amateur pro thing is definitely taken into consideration for sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, for sure, I think, you know, we've talked about it quite a bit, and I would really like to do it. I want to talk to uh, Dennis and some of the other referees. I would really like to do uh, a, you know, for those who can't make it to John McCarthy's um, refing school, which isn't easy. I mean, he doesn't do a lot of them, and they're, they're a long ways away, and it's kind of a big money investment. But I definitely would like to do a local, just a local uh, referee, you know, class, or whether it be a weekend or you know, and eight hours or whatever it may happens to be, whatever we can fit in, just something to, to give these guys, um, you know, these some of these younger referees because it's, it's tough, it's tough to find referees, and I think it would be good for them to do a class, and that would be one of the aspects, you know, not only what move is this, but what what move is actually going to get them to a better position. So I think that would be a great thing to add to that class for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we could do some fundraising to get all the referees in Montana that work for every event you know, to the ABC trainings that they do every year, that would, that would be great. Also just try to find some sponsors or figure out a way to get everybody there. I think that would help educate everybody and make everybody stronger and get the referees, you know, behind each other as well as everybody supporting each other is really important. Uh, Zach, did you have any questions for, for Cal on refereeing today? 
No, man, that was you answered all my questions. You do a great job, and um, man, it's always a, a reassuring to the fighter to know that they have a referee that's in there um, that's well educated and takes it serious, and and you do that really well. So, thanks for for all you do for for fighters and for the organization. Oh, I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate that. You know, it's it's definitely it's definitely a tough thing, and it's I. I, I get more nervous refing than I do fighting. I'd much rather fight because <laughs> sure. <laughs> then I got my own my my own uh, in my own hands. It's, it's a lot tougher. Of all the things I do, as far as you know, promoting, announcing, refing, coaching, all that stuff, I, I, refing is the toughest, man, mm. for sure. So I, I appreciate. Your yeah, yeah, you bet, man. Thank you. And thanks for thanks for visiting with us today, Cal. No worries, man. Have a good one. Thanks. Yep. See you later. We'd like to thank our. Podcast sponsor, Wingredient. Wingredient is clucking good hot wing sauce. They've won the Reno's Biggest Little City Wing Fest for three years running, and they are made in Bozeman, Montana. The sauce can be found all over the state. You can find Wingredient Wing Mix at the following restaurants. Sometimes they're specials. Sometimes it's on the menu all the time. We've got Brusker's in Bozeman, Montana. The Cat's Paw in Bozeman, Montana. Stormcastle Cafe in Bozeman, Montana. Burger Bob's in Bozeman, Montana. Dry Fi Saloon in Bozeman, Montana. The Office Lounge and Liquor Store in Livingston. High Horse Saloon in Billings. Halftime Sports Bar in Great Falls. M&M in Butte, Montana. Champo's Pizza in Great Falls, Montana. You can buy the mix at Withy's Health Food in Kalispell. Eagles Club in Haver has it. Missoula's Montana Distillery has the wing sauce. And so does McGrath's in Butte. Got a lot of wing sauce out there for a lot of wing fans. We want to thank Wingredient for sponsoring us. You can check them out at wingredient.com to order the award-winning wing mix for yourself. Big thanks to Cal Clark, not only for being on our show today, but also refing and taking care of fighters throughout the state of Montana. Uh, he's very passionate about the sport and helps out at a lot of our events. Um, he also really works hard with just the cage setup and general general running of the shows. we got a lot of great crew. I can't mention everybody, but at some point I want to have all of them on here sharing stories and talking about you know the behind-the-scenes action of the fights and all that great stuff. And So we were talking about what everybody was doing during the holidays, and I got tons of messages and everybody's telling me to buy Battlefield One. What, what, what's your what's your take on that? Do you have it, Zach? No, I don't have Battlefield One. Um, I heard kind of the, the three main ones: Battlefield One, Titanfall Two, and the new Call of Duty. Um, and according to Colin Moriarty, kind of a well-known PlayStation guy, um, as far as campaign is concerned, he says that Call of Duty is the best campaign, just because you can never go wrong with Call of Duty. Uh, my own personal preference, I really want to dig into to Battlefield 1. Uh, it looks it looks great, so I might ask for that one from, from old Santa Claus. That that would be great. I am, I'm terrible at those games. Like, I tried playing the realistic first-person shooters, and I would just get destroyed, just destroyed. So I, I, I quit. I gave up. Um, oh, I would die with one shot. I need I need an overshield. Like, I need, like, Halo or <laughs> Gears, Gears of War where I can take 20 shots before I die because I'm reckless Dude. in those games. You know and, what game uh, I, I just uh, dug into a couple weeks ago? Um, it's Bloodborne. Yeah, I, I have that, but it's it's sitting on a shelf. I have very little time to play, but I, I want to play that one as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very unforgiving. That'll that that'll that'll be a that'll be one coming in the future. Um, well, Zach, thanks for being part of this again today, and just want to thank everybody for coming in and listening. Uh, we're talking about that last table we're giving away for the Butte fights, and what you'll need to do is you'll need to go to Fight Force Unlocked, and you can message us there. You need to message us and let us know what character did Robert Lester think played the best Joker in the Batman series. 
uh, the live action series from the TV show to the movies. Who did Robert Lester think was the best actor to play the Joker? And message that at Fight Force Unlocked, and you can win a 10-seat table to the Butte Fights December 3rd at the Butte Civic Center. Got a 13 fights on the card. We talked about the fight card last week. If you don't know who's fighting, check out last week's podcast. Get an interview with Ariel Beck, who's fighting this weekend, uh, Friday night at Access TV, Legacy Fighting Championships, and get prepped for this huge kickboxing card in Butte. Yeah, man, it looks good. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be some great action, and we'll be back as well. Uh, you can also listen to the previous fight podcast on our fight openings. Um, we've got a few of those filled, but I know I still have a 185-er that's 3-0 and and a 185-er that's 3-1 and amateur MMA looking for fights. Message me on those as well, and we are signing out.